Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. The time fans and frequent viewers dip their toe into regional banks or perhaps even Charles Schwab yesterday. As I mentioned over the weekend, we should take a breath. As I mentioned in our, day, our Sunday talk about stocks, I would be evaluating the market on Monday because I expected the open to be rough. But given what happened late Sunday afternoon, we kind of got a relatively flat market. Don't know if you checked this morning, but it looks like a lot of the regional banks and Charles Schwab have come back. So did anybody dip their toe in? I was looking at Charles Schwab right before the market closed yesterday, and I did not, did not pull the trigger, but maybe I should have. In the end, just curious if anybody did into the regional banks and whatnot. Let's talk about a banking crisis and toxic debt, because I have seen a couple of comments and I want to go a little bit deeper on that. One sec, somebody wants to say hello. Hey. Sonny wanted to come in and say hello to everyone. He is wearing his rain jacket because it is pouring outside. Uh, so he did that. So anyways, this is Sonny. All right, go lay down. All right, so let's talk about banking crisis and toxic debt. What happened on Sunday evening, in my opinion, without question, is a bailout. As I mentioned, my hope was they would, they would release 85% of the deposits. They chose to go another direction and go 100. I believe it is a red flag that Silicon Valley Bank is not sold, and thus the balance sheet is full of cracks. I expect there to be probably some significant losses, else you would think the cachet of the company, somebody would have picked it up and moved forward. I think that is just reasonable to think. So A, this is a bailout. But B, in order to have a banking crisis, we would have had to seen a run on more banks. Now, I believe, and we'll see in the next couple of weeks, there are plenty of regional banks that saw withdrawals yesterday. But because of what the Fed, Treasury, President, you know, whoever's FDIC, because they essentially said all deposits are guaranteed, ex not explicitly, but indicated that, the movement of capital was probably a drop in the bucket to what it would have been with everybody lining up at the banks. Now, guaranteeing deposits does not, does not mean the bank stocks go up or down. Stocks are supposed to be a representation of earning power, specifically future earning power. And it is possible with the run on the banks or the deposits leaving, that banks are less able to do that. Also, something very interesting yesterday happened. Lending is already getting tighter. I wanna quote something here. It looks like Citi, at least as of yesterday. Hey, Evo, thank you for the two bucks. I appreciate it, uh, much appreciated. I wanna talk about Citi, because again, folks, remember, I always tell you this. There's a housing market, and the lending market. If you are not watching both, you are missing out. The lending market is going to get tight. 
specifically for investors, I believe it will actually get easier for homeowners, but more on that later. City, as of yesterday, this may have changed this morning, but as of yesterday, City, no longer pricing non-conforming loans. Think about that. Now, obviously, City is one bank, but this is what is going to happen in this environment. Banks are going to get nervous. They are going to tighten the box. They are going box. They're going to find reasons to say no, which ultimately hurts their earning power. So just because you see bank stocks go up or down does not mean, you know, a bank is going to fail. Because I think what I think what happened on Sunday is the powers that be waved a magic wand and said, we will have no more failures. At least in the short term. Now, when I say failures, I mean FDIC comes in like Signature and uh, Silicon Valley Bank. That said, I believe as soon as Friday, this week, Friday, or in the next month, just to give myself a little wiggle room, we will start to see consolidation. I believe there are some banks that are weak, that instead of being closed by the FDIC, there will be arranged marriages. You feel me? With this arranged marriages, equity doesn't go to zero. Bonds don't go to zero, unlike Signature and SV or Silicon Valley Bank. So I think there's consolidation in our future. Now, something I saw in several comments that I wanted to address was the tagline toxic debt. Toxic debt became code for CDOs, mortgage-backed securities. It was highlighted in the big short. It is a word that means your asset is held on the balance sheet at 100 and it's worth 18 cents, just to give you kind of a scale. There are people saying that banks hold toxic debt today. And I will agree if, if the powers that be did not do what they did Sunday, you could call the debt toxic on the bank's balance sheet. But one thing that was subtle in the release or the band-aid or whatever you want to call it, the bailout, that most people did not pick up on takes toxic debt, remember worth 18 cents in my example, and makes it worth 100 like that. What is it? Basically, the banks can go to what's called the discount window and say, here, take this bond worth 18 cents. Now, I'm just making up 18 cents to catch your attention. It might be worth 62 cents. It might be worth 81 cents. Either way, it is not worth 100. So again, back to the example. Here, Mr. and Mrs. Bank or discount window, here's my bond worth 18 cents. Give me a dollar. And given what happened Sunday, they are going to get a dollar. So magically, on Sunday, what may have been considered toxic debt on Monday is now par. Par just means it's worth what the, the uh, bond says it's worth. So it's worth a dollar in this example. Toxic debt, which means treasuries, mortgage-backed securities, all 
magically, poof, they're worth a dollar. So this toxic debt formula, this all this nomenclature around, hey, the banks are this, that, the other thing. Again, something you missed on Sunday. Whether you agree or not, on Monday, those things are worth a dollar, not 18 cents. So if you think there's a lot of toxic debt out there right now on bank balance sheet, they kind of fix that on Sunday. All right, let's talk about CPI. It came out today. Again, expectations, 6%. Headline, 4.4% month on month. Core expectations, 5.5. Five. Uh, core month on month expectations, 0.4. They got three out of the four. The one that they missed was core month on month at 0.5. So again, CPI is now down from 6.4 to 6%. This is base effect in effect, right? We talked about a big number rolling off and we have two more months of that. I think it is a very good chance we get something in the fives next month. But most importantly, most importantly, folks, shelter is the sticky part. It is actually up. I want to make sure I have it here. Shelter, owner's equivalent rent, that big bucket, that 42% of core, 42% of core was up 0.8 and up 8.2%, up from 7.9. As I indicated yesterday and the day before, I expected shelter to peak this report. That is important because once you get to the peak, the roller coaster, right? Shelter is sticky. It's got a 12 month lag. It kind of looks like a roller coaster, right? We have to get to the peak and then we roll over and it gets fun. This is what I believe Jerome Powell has been waiting for. Gosh, can we just get to the peak? Can we get to the apex? Can we get to the other side? Because once we do, inflation will start to come down. Remember, inflation has three components. The goods, we've already seen it. Housing, we will see it shortly. My guess is it will be the May, June, and July readings where housing really starts to show disinflation. So again, remember, I believed good inflation would get us from 9.1 to 6. Housing will get us from 6 to 4. So the rest of this year, a lot of what we are going to see with inflation will be housing related. And then it gets really, really hard because again, services and wages and all of this are still sticky and we will be at or around four for longer than people want. But yes, folks, inflation is coming down. It went six, five, six, four, six. We should expect other inflation readings to come down. And most importantly for me, housing may have peaked. We may have one more month, but I think there's a good chance that housing number peaked this month at 8.2%. Again, if you look at housing at 8.2% and realize we'll just do easy math, it's 40% of inflation. That is over 3% of the six. So if you and I could agree that housing will be coming down and instead of being 8.2, that maybe by September it's 3%, meaning you lost 5%, you could see inflation just in that example go from 6 to 4.5, everything else held constant. That is how this works. That is what I've been trying to educate and help you understand. We are on the cusp of seeing some good housing numbers. They are still out a month, two months, three months, but they're coming. It's just, 
it's like a roller coaster on this slow grind and then it will roll over. That's the best example I have for you. So again, so what does the Fed do? I believe the Fed has been painted into a corner. I believe they have to raise rates a quarter point next week. I never believed the half story. I believe, as I've said repeatedly, Jerome Powell was trying to talk Jackson Hole and BlackRock and others bought the story. That's what he wanted. We're going to get a quarter. And the only question is, this is the question I have for next week. We're going to get a quarter. What will he say? Will he say something like, we are open to doing more, which means a pause is possible. Will he say things like, you know, a quarter point is still there. The dot plot is something coming up, which will be very, very interesting. I promise you their dot plots have changed. The other thing I think is interesting, what would happen if Jerome Powell was talking in front of Congress this week versus last week? Remember, it was just last Tuesday, a week from today, a week ago from today, where Jerome Powell basically walked up to the market and kicked him in the nuts, and then you had BlackRock say 6%. I, I wonder what would happen if Jerome Powell spoke today. Woo! That would be some fireworks, but anyways. So again, I think the Fed is just about done. I called this, I called four, four I called 475 to 5% months, in, probably a year ago. We are just about here. We have one, maybe two left. Then we are there, terminal rates. Then we can get to banks, lowering the margin. Rates should roll over. And again, as one of my 12 crazy housing calls from early January, we will see mortgage rates under 6% when we average all of this craziness coming together. It is unfolding in unique ways that I didn't see coming, but the macro numbers are coming just as I expected. Goldman Sachs. Gold, was it Goldman Sachs, the company that just said, hey, we're going to go to six and a half or something like that? Terminal rate. Now Goldman Sachs is coming out and saying zero, no rate increase next week. So let me know in the comments below. Do you think we do zero? Actually, you know what? Some people are calling a cut. I want to hear from you. Will the Fed cut rates next week? Comment below, just say cut. Do nothing, put a zero. Raise a quarter? Or what the heck do you think they raise 50? I want to see what my audience thinks. Please interact with me. It helps this video be seen by more people. The more comments you put in, the more people that see this. So again, cut zero, 25 or 50. I want to hear from you. Leave comments below. Lance Lambert. Folks, if you're not following Lance Lambert, fortune editor and our Thursday expert every, or yeah, our Thursday expert every week, you are missing out. He has an amazing Twitter feed with gobs of real estate data. If you're not, if you're in real estate or interested and you're not following Lance, shame on you. I believe his Twitter handle is news. Lambert. If you go follow him today, do me a favor. Send Lance a note and say thank you for being a part of One Rental at a Time. I want Lance to know that we appreciate him because let's be clear, a fortune editor does not have to give you and I an hour every week. So Lance, we appreciate you on this channel. Here are three data points that Lance rolled out. He actually rolled out 20 of these and I hope to talk to him about this on Thursday. I want to give you data about Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, and Columbus, Ohio, just as an example of what is going on in some big markets. So Austin, Texas, often talked about as a bubbly market. 
a market where iBuyers were heavy, a market where California tech workers have moved, it has seen a lot of pain. So this is data as of February. So this is February data. Month on month in, August, in February, Austin prices down 1.1%. Year to date, so January 1st through February 28th, down 2.5%. Austin is down 8.9% from the peak, but up year on year 0.1%. I am rounding. Lance actually goes out to two decimals. Then finally, the change since March of 2020. Austin, Texas is up 44%. That is the number I'm going to want you to focus on when we talk about Columbus. So again, down from the peak, let's call it 9%. Up from 2020, let's call it 44%. Now let's talk about Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio, month on month, up 0.13%. Year to date, up 0.12. Down from the peak, 0.13%. 05. Year on year, up 8.3. Change from March of 2020, up 35%. Remember what we have talked about over the last three, four to six months. The iBuyers distorted a handful of markets. I would argue that they distorted Austin and they were not very active in Columbus. So what does that mean? It means that Austin would have seen a greater acceleration to the peak, i.e. up 44%, and they would have seen a bigger fall as iBuyers retreat, i.e. down, let's call it 9%. Columbus, they weren't there. So the run-up wasn't as high. It wasn't 44%, it was 35. And because that run-up, that last 10% didn't happen, the downfall isn't as much. Again, Austin was down, call it 9%, and Columbus is flat at negative 0.05%. So again, what we saw and what we will see over the next three to four months is the iBuyers got stupid, they were a large percentage of transactions, and they distorted numbers in a few, a handful of markets. A handful of key markets, no doubt, but still only a handful of markets. And then next up, Las Vegas, just because we talk to Brian Lebo every month, Brian and I are trying to schedule our, our March discussion now. Vegas was down 1% month on month, down 2.3% year to date, down 6.7 from the peak. Uh, what's next? And then down from March of 2020, down 30%, 29.86%. So again, lots of interesting stuff. Next up, I want to give a shout out to Barry Habib. Barry Habib was on the one and only Valuetainment episode. I think it published yesterday. It's a 90-minute video, I think. Might even be more. It might be 100 minutes. There's a lot in there. There's about a five-minute window where Barry and Patrick talk interest rates and housing. Let me give you the net of the story. Barry Habib is calling for rates to roll over. Barry Habib believes that the 30-year mortgage will roll over because inflation is rolling over. Barry Habib believes that 
inflation is still at 6% because of housing. You and I have talked about that for quite a while. Barry Habib actually uses the roller coaster analogy, which I think is perfect. I used it as well. And Barry Habib thinks that housing year on year come December will be up 3%. There's a lot in that video, but I wanted to give you the highlights again. Barry Habib is standing firm that mortgage rates will come down. Barry Habib is calling mortgage rates at 5%. I am only saying sub six. Barry Habib is, is pretty far out there. So again, shout out to Barry Habib. Getting on Valuetainment is amazing. A lifetime goal and achievement. Good for him. Big Bank Tank, Little Bank. Anybody know what song that's fun? There is a rap song where it says Big Bank Tank, Little Bank. Leave the comments below if you know the song title for that. Just curious how many folks out there would know. But I believe that is exactly what will transpire over the next six months. I believe the banking sector will be smaller with bigger banks. They will be less regionals, less this, less that, as big fish eat small fish. Again, big bank take little bank. I believe that is what is going on or what will go on. And I believe that will strengthen the banking sector, but also punish consumers, you and I, because there's less competition. But again, I think big bank tank little bank is what will be occurring over the next six months. And then next, Fortune. I don't know if you have seen this. It was actually number one article on my feed, but thanks to Lance Lambert, uh, Fortune reached out to me to have a discussion about um, accidental landlords. Uh, we had that discussion seemingly not 10 days ago, and there was an article published in Fortune where Michael Zuber, the one and only, and one rental at a time was quoted. We talked about cash flow, we talked about accidental landlords, but I will highlight at the end of the article was perhaps the most important thing. The most important thing was my definition of three housing markets, luxury, move up, and entry level or first time home buyer. This is actually a point that I think Patrick Bet David has not latched onto. When Valuetainment, Barry Habib was talking housing, you heard Patrick say, I don't believe you. I'm seeing 300K price drops, 500K price drops, 700K price drops. To which you and I know, Patrick Bet David, he, he be searching for some luxury real estate. Luxury real estate is seeing discounts. If you have ever shopped in luxury or ever wanted a luxury home and you have the financial fortitude like Patrick does, go write disrespectful offers. But, and I think this is what Patrick missed, to assume what is happening in luxury is happening at first-time homebuyer homes is, I don't know what else to say, wrong. A leap too far. You and I know that below the median in most markets has less than one month supply where luxury in most markets is over three months supply. And I would argue going higher. So again, at the end of that article is something I would love Fortune or other newspapers to pick up because that is the discussion we should be having. The housing market is broken. There is not one national housing market. There is not one housing market per city. There's entry level, move up, and luxury. They are acting different, and too many people are being lazy 
and not doing the work. If we had honest discussions about the inventory levels and the demand at entry level versus that in luxury, it would open people's eyes. And now if rates come down and in the next six to eight weeks, we are below 6%, we are gonna see the first time buyer homes have more demand. Didn't we learn this like four weeks ago? Four weeks ago when rates ticked to 599, you and I saw it. You and I were talking every day, real time information about all the demand the lines of buyers, the multiple offers, the review dates, and yes, writing over asking. I don't know why, but we've got to get this message out there because the housing market is broken. We should get builders like Polte Homes who said they were going to build smaller homes. I'm not seeing it yet. We've got to get more supply because this, this interest rate lock-in, this accidental landlords, we are going to destroy the average and historical numbers, just like we did in the 80s. We are repeating that just like the 80s. Next up, another point that I think Patrick, Bet, David, and the folks at Value Tank is people are talking about the savings rate. How many of you have looked at a chart that says the U.S. savings rate is below 3%? It is the second worst on record. How many of you said that? Again, just like the 80s. Folks, go research the savings and loan. What happened in the 80s? Well, banks are paying me shit. I'm gonna take the money out of my savings. I'm gonna put it in a CD or a treasury. You and I have talked. I've considered buying treasuries, CDs. Anna Kelly has done that. How many people that would normally have savings have taken it out and said, I'm buying a CD or a treasury? When we take out a hundred grand and buy a treasury, it looks like savings are at rock bottom. They're not. We got money sitting in treasuries, which is not on the chart. Patrick Bet David said there's $600 billion of consumer money in that. I think it's bigger. So again, I think people are getting lost. They want to preach a negative story that savings are at a record low. No, they're, no, they're not. The sophisticated, the wealthy have decided that banks are paying them shit. We're going to take our money out and we're going to put it elsewhere. That is good human behavior. So again, I think people are missing what is really going on. And then lastly, again, folks, that buy box uh, discussion, that deep dive, that two hour session where we are going to interact and build it out, it will sell out. We now only have 71 spots. I've added the in the description of yesterday and the day before's videos, there's pinned comments, I'll probably do it again. If you wanna get serious about real estate investing, it all starts with a buy box. We will go through the questions, we will build some together. Then it's the daily discipline. How do I take my buy box and put it in the spreadsheet and start to learn and repeat? You want to be a part of this. It is 47 bucks. It is two hours on Sunday the 26th, I think. It's on, it's on Eventbrite. The link will be below shortly. Folks, it's, it's, it's going the way we expect. That's all I got to say. And last thing as I let you go, sorry, this has been a long one. Ofer, congratulations for getting your next deal. And Andre, congratulations for getting your first deal. Folks, people are doing the work. They are getting great deals. We, they are saying one rental at a time helped. We are sending out cards. If you want to get yours, all you got to do is reach out to me on Instagram or my website and give me your address. 
I will gladly send you one of these. And again, I'm an easy grader. If, if you think I helped you get something done, let me know. I would love to send you a card. Take care. Bye-bye.